We send greetings to the first episode of Paul to the Thessalonians, and we look to take time to read the first chapter. On Thessalonians 1, starting at verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And it became followers of us and of the Lord, and received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that we were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God work is spread abroad, so that you need not to speak anything. For they themselves show for us Show of us what manner of entering we had unto you, and how we turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. God will bless the reading of this of his precious word. Now, in terms of uh, the introduction, you know, uh, the city of Thessalonica. Because we speak about it is one of the largest city of the Roman province of Macedonia. It is the capital city and uh, it served as a great port for commerce and for trade between the surrounding regions. Today, of course, it is known as Thessaloniki or Saloniki as it is probably pronounced this day. Now, the background for the church itself, you will find it in Acts chapter 17. And you would read there about the establishment of the church. You know, on his second missionary journey, the Apostle Paul and his companions Silas and 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 uh, Timothy had just arrived at Philippi and had passed through Amphipolis and, and came to a place called Thessalonica. That verse one tells us that in Acts chapter seventeen. And as was Paul's custom, you know, wherever he landed, he would go and search for the synagogue. And when he would find the synagogue, he would go there and reason with the Jews. And he did this for around about three Sabbaths concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And he explained to them and demonstrated and spoke to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the story says, goes on in Acts chapter 17 that there were few who were persuaded. You know, there were men in Greek and a great number of Greeks and, and a few women. And few, uh, few of these people were saved and came to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there were Jews who were unbelieving. They were jealous of the way that the Apostle Paul was speaking. And that created a big uproar in the city. And because of this, the Apostle Paul and Silas were secretly sent away in the dead of the night. Despite such difficult beginnings, despite 
such less amount of time that the Apostle Paul had said, uh, spent with the Thessalonians, you could see that this letter is a letter of encouragement. This letter is about a church which is a modern church. And this letter is about an assembly of God's people who no heard the message once, have been able to put their full trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and have been able to go live their life according to his will. In, in terms of when the letter was written, it is probably considered to be one of Paul's earliest epistles and the letter itself is, and I think it's recorded during Paul's travels when he makes this journey. It appears, I think, soon after the letter, after he arrived in Corinth. Now, what is the purpose of this epistle, you know? Well, during the early church days, there was a lot of dependence of the of the early Christians on, on, on these apostles. There was no structure that was there in the church that had to be followed. And therefore, there was a lot of dependence on the apostle Paul. And, and Paul would, through his writings, always remind, you know, in, in chapter 2 and verse 7, he uses words to compare himself as a nurse, as a gentle nurse. But at the same time, he would go and become firm with these people. And when you come into uh, chapter 2 and verse 11, he says, As he know how he exhorted and comforted and charged everyone of you as a father loved his children. And so there was one who was gentle and there was one who was also firm with these people. But also the purpose is that Paul had left so abruptly and therefore he wanted to know what had happened of the assembly uh, because of spending such a long less time. So he had sent Timothy there and so Timothy made the journey and he came back and brought some great encouraging news of these people. And Paul was very happy to see that despite the persecution, despite the affliction that was there, these people had remained strong. And so this probably was the purpose of the epistle. And so as we go on and we think a little bit about the epistle, I just want to maybe give you a little bit of theme of what I think would be uh, the, the theme of the epistle. You know, one of the key, th key themes of the epistle is the modern church that has been there here. And I think as we look up at this epistle, maybe for us as an assembly of God's people, it would be a good way to check or test ourselves or measure ourselves as how we would perform as an assembly of God's people. Also, it is about Christian living, you know, and there are key, key, key facts mentioned about how we, the, these, the, uh, these people from Thessalonians, the Thessalonians live and how they waited for that great hope, that blessed hope, the day of the Lord is going to come and when he will be able to see them. And so, this is probably an epistle for us to try and measure ourselves. In terms of the breakdown of the chapter, you know, you look at verses 1 and 2 as the encouragement, verses 3 and 3 as the endeavor of the Thessalonians, verses 4 and 5 will talk about the election and the proof of election that is given in verse 5, and verses 6 to 9 will think about the example that is there, and finally we'll think about the expectation that is there. And so, verses in verse 1 we see, we read that Paul, Sylvanian and Timothy, the author is given there, the recipients are there, and the blessings that has to be is mentioned there. Now you would always know generally in the other epistles that the Apostle Paul has always written, you know, he would always refer to himself as an apostle. And you would see that, you know, there are three epistles 
where the apostle, where uh, he's not mentioning the, in his apostleship. It's the Thessalonians, the Philippians, and the Philip, and, uh, and the epistle to Philemon. And this is because, you know, Paul is not going to be correcting anything that is there. There is no false teaching that is going on in these assemblies, and therefore his authority is also not being questioned. And therefore, as you look at, at this epistle, you will see that he's not using the word apostle that he generally uses when he writes the, the epistle. Also, as you will see, that there are three people mentioned here. Paul, Silvanius, or Silas, as he's known, and Timothy. Now, these three were partners, you know, they, had, they were partners in the work that started in that assembly in Thessalonica. And these men were together in their, in their appreciation of their people. They were united in their thinking of the others. And they were, and they were quite, they were there to encourage these, these people. And so as they go through this, you know, you will see that Paul then is saying unto the church of the Thessalonians. You know, in other epistles, once again, you would know that the apostle Paul would, would write to them as for their location. You know, he would say to the church at Corinth or to the church at Ephesus. But here he's speaking to them individually. You know, there's a lot of love that the Apostle Paul has for, for these people. And so therefore he's writing to the church of the Thessalonians. You know, there is that, that, that endearment that he's having with these people and therefore he's writing to them at a very, very personal level. And these are deep associations that the Apostle Paul has. And therefore these lovely words are being used here. As you would uh, see, as you would look at the and these verses you will see that he says in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. You would notice that both the Father and the Son have been mentioned here. The Apostle Paul is making that these two people uh, is making clear that though they are one, they are two separate and distinct persons, and, but yet he speaks of them in unity. And then he goes on to speak to them and he goes on to say that to in God the Father, Father in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace peace be to you. The thing is that he's talking to the church of the Thessalonians, he says union of the believers, he's talking about the union of the believers that, are, that is there between the Father and the Son and the Thessalonians. You know, you, you see that word, he says, church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father. And so what the Apostle Paul is trying to say is that as, as those who have put trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, as those who are part of the assembly of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to always remember that we are in a relationship, we are in association with both God the Father and the Son. And I think that is the teaching, isn't it, of John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, the teaching of the vine and the branches, the moment we were saved, we were, we were redeemed. As branches, we were attached to that vine, and it is that vine who is the Lord Jesus Christ is the vine that feeds us. And that is the importance that we have to understand that we are part of, a, of, of, of the branches and are part of the, uh, of, as the assembly, we are part of the branches of the vine. And therefore, our whole spiritual life depends upon how, upon that union that is there. And therefore, we have to always remember that when the vine is there, it will always give us fruit, it will always give us food. It is the work of the branches to be able to show bring forth fruit. And we have to always remember that that responsibility is there amongst us as believers. That when we are getting the fruit that is required, the requirement is that we show forth fruit. And that is where at times we lack. 
We lack in our way of showing forth fruit in the way that we live. And when you look up at the, these believers who are there in Thessalonians, you will see in the verses as we go down that their life was an example. They were able to show the fruits that, the, that are required of a believer. And I think we have to allow to learn by that. And then he closes this first verse and he says, Grace to you and peace. Now, this is a very familiar greeting of the Apostle Paul. You know, he never reverses these two. It is always, you know, the believer has to experience the grace of God. And only when the grace of God has been experienced, that he will have peace and peace, peace with God. And it can never be that he can have peace with God without the understanding or without having the knowledge that, that, that the grace of God has been able to give. And so he ends that verse with, with this great thing, grace and blessing, grace to you and peace. He then goes on to, to verse 2 and he says, We give them thanks to God always for you all, man, making mention of you in our prayer. You know, thanksgiving and prayer is a, once again a very important aspect of the Apostle Paul. You will see that always in his writings. He will, he will write this again and again. Think about the, the, the epistle to Romans. He says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. You think about it. Is the epistle to the Ephesians and he says that he did not cease giving thanks for them while making mention of them in his prayers. He did the same to the, to the Philippians. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. It is only two epistles, maybe uh, Corinthians and Galatians, where the letters are letters of singular correction. You know, where oh, there is a lack of that usual reporting or report of thanksgiving from God. You know, as I think about this, you know, it is a, it, you know, these believers in Thessalonica, when they would have read these letters, they would have been so thrilled to know that this great apostle Paul is is being is praying for them. And it is very important to understand, dear brothers and sisters, that prayer as 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 is one of the key pillars of our faith, and it is also the glue that bonds our fellowship with one to one with another. And we have to therefore remember each one of us, you know, remember each one in our prayer. And it is important because, you know, it is the prayer that goes up to God and before God it comes as, as, as an offering where, where the Lord, God looks at the prayers of his saints and there he provides according to his will. But there is also another aspect of, of prayer is that prayer also brings unity, you know. It brings unity because it, it binds us together. It puts us together when we think about each other. It brings that love that is there that can be seen. And here the Apostle Paul is saying to them that we give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. You know, I was thinking when I was reading this word, the Apostle Paul probably is a very, very busy man. You know, he's going so many places, meeting so many people. But yet, amongst all these things, he says to them that we give thanks to God always for you all. And so here is a lesson for us, you know. We have to be united in our prayer. We've got to be, you know, we need to strengthen our fellowship in our prayer. Now there are difficulties. We all go through, through times of difficulty and we never know when a brother prays or says to us, I'm praying for you, what kind of an impact it has on our life. And so it's very important to be able to always remember. There are many saints who, who spend a lot of time in prayer and it, is, it brings great relief when they tell you, oh, I'm praying for you. And so the Apostle Paul here is praying for them. He then goes on into 
verse 3 and 4 and then here he talks about the pattern or the key or about the, the model church that they are in. He says in verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So generally we would see faith, hope and love that is the sequence that we all are aware of but here the Apostle Paul is talking about uh, the work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope. This probably is one of the three tenses of a believer's life, isn't it? By faith they accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Through love they, they have made that bond strong and they are waiting for that hope that is coming. And here the Apostle Paul is saying that he has been encouraged when he read about these people. You know when, when, when he uses that word work of faith, you know this is a different kind of faith. This is faith that is genuine. This is faith that is evidenced by works. You know the, the view of faith that is here is demonstration of faith. We were talking about that didn't we? just a little bit earlier. And Paul is referring to the activity of life of these believers where the life that they are leading that is evidence of the faith that is that is there amongst them. You know, the, you know the you know when the when they asked Jesus, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him who have sent him. They have believed on him. And after believing on him, they are shown forth the works of faith. And I think we live in challenging times, you know. And at times it is really difficult for us to, to be able to show forth our faith at times. There may be moments in our lives when we would hide our faith a little bit. But then I think, you know, there are also moments in time when we can show forth our faith. And it is difficult, maybe in a secular employment, you know, Ed was talking about, uh, you know, getting together and praying together at his workplace and that is again forth of your faith and I think we need to at times stand up for our faith we read so much about in today's world about difficulties that people with faith have and I think here the Apostle Paul is talking of these men and remember these men were this, this assembly was an assembly which was going through a difficult time they had they had gone through persecution they had gone through affliction and yet you could see that their faith was visible and this is this is the key thing to note that their faith was visible and then he goes on to talk about labor of love uh, you know and and this is basically you know the effort taken to serve god the effort taken or the the sacrifice that is there you know it is work that has performed voluntarily you know without without the prospect of reward or without the prospect of recognition or without the prospect of of compensation. This is only prompted by the love that they have of God. That is only prompted by the love that they have of God and that is shown forth once again in probably, you know, taking care of their the fellow believers. We don't know what that labor of love it is. It has not been mentioned, but it could be for the sake of propagating the gospel. It could be for taking care of the fellow believers. We don't know, but it says here that these brother and sister these men were to, men and women were together you know working together or showing that labor of love uh, to to all those and then he goes on to say, talk about that patience of hope you know hope hope is something that we all look to and our hope is not a hope that is go that is just a word which 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 has got no meaning for us it has got a great meaning for we all are waiting for that day when the lord is coming 
You know, your hope is not associated with the work, but in context of the things, it's, it's the time and effort that they are spending probably to maintain their hope here. You know, John MacArthur in his, in his commentary says this, that the Greek word used here means continuing under pressure continuing under pressure and why they are continuing under pressure they are continuing under pressure because they know that they have that great hope you know and this new church and this church was was characterized by hope you know uh, and probably that that hope was very very evident in the way they they, they did their things uh, how about us you know are we able to show forth that great hope are we having that uh, you know enjoyment of that hope that one day we'll be able to see him are we able to think of ourselves that we are there is joy in our hearts or there is an you know there is happiness in us us or do we come sometimes to the meeting just because we have to come without any desire or understanding just because we've got to do it but these were men and women who were showing that patience of of hope and so here we have that patience of hope being you know in times of pressure as well they were showing that hope and then he goes on and he moves on to to verses four and five and and he talks about knowing brethren beloved your election of god for our gospel came not unto you in word only but also in power and in the holy ghost and in much assurance you know here the apostle paul has been with this church very short time you know he doesn't know whom the lord has chosen he doesn't know whom the lord is elected we we heard about election not very long back when our brother tom spoke here and the Apostle Paul doesn't know what it, who is elected, who is chosen. But from what he has seen, what he has heard about this assembly, he's able to say, knowing brethren of your beloved, your election of God. That was visible once again in the way they are. He did not have any insight, but just the way they were, you know, Paul knew that they, 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 were, they were men and women who have been elected of God. You know, sometimes we look at people, we look at their faith and we know you know, even though they have not trusted the Savior, we know that they are very close. And we at times say that these brother and women, these brother or sister or these, this gentleman or woman have, have, have that understanding of who God is and will probably be able to trust. I do think that there are times uh, in our life when we are very close to the Lord, you know, and yet we, we wait on and hold on from trusting him. You know, the Lord has chosen. It is a great privilege for us as believers that he has chosen us. And, and by choosing us, he has brought us into that great privilege of having a relationship from him, with him. And not only having that relationship from, with him, he's also taken us from that great prospect where our sins have been washed away. And as the Apostle Paul ends the chapter, he talks of that day of wrath and what a great privilege it will be for us that we who have been chosen will never be able to enter that day of wrath. And here the Apostle Paul is talking about that, that, that aspect of election. I always think that it is, it is a privilege of, that, that we are being elected of God. You know, you think of the many people around this world, many who, who have not heard the word of God, many who have heard the word of God, but the word of God has not spoken to them. The Holy Spirit has not spoken to them, but we have been chosen. We have been brought into this place where, where the word of God has spoken to us and we have brought in, been brought into that association with him. But then he goes on to, he's, talk, he's talked about the election of them, and then he goes on to speak about the proof of election. He says, you know, the gospel came unto you in word, but also in power, in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, you know. 
You know, the apostle Paul is talking about our gospel. He uses, he uses that word, isn't it? For our gospel. He doesn't say the gospel. He says our gospel. It is the same gospel that, that, that came to him. And it is that same gospel that he re received. It is that same gospel that he has committed himself to. And with that same committed gospel, he's coming and preaching that same gospel. He's preached that same gospel to these people. And it is by the same gospel that these people have been saved. And he says it came in power and it came in the Holy Ghost. You know, you know, the power cannot come without the Holy Spirit speaking through you. And as the Apostle Paul spoke here, you see that it was not his oratory power. It was not his persistence or his ability of being able to present the gospel. It was the Holy Spirit speaking to him, you know, and power for, comes always when when you are led by the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about that power that is coming, coming through. And then he goes on to say, talk about, uh, talk about the assurance, you know, you know, he's talking about that assurance as the Apostle Paul spoke with power. And as he was led by the Holy Spirit, he spoke with great confidence, proclaiming the truth. And he says that as the message came out with clarity, it was straightforward that the Apostle Paul was knew that these the, the people knew that the message that was coming was a true message. The message that was coming was a message of assurance. You know, the message that was coming was a message that will give them the assurance that their souls will never go to, 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 to eternal damnation. You know, we were thinking, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And what a big thing it is to be assured of your salvation. Knowing that the work of the Lord Jesus Christ has once and for all done that work for you where you don't have to think about it again. And that gospel came with assurance. And as these men and women heard that gospel message, you know, they knew that this message was a message that will, that will take care of their eternal, eternal wisdom. And then he goes on a little bit, you know, and as he goes on, he comes to the next section and he looks at verses six to nine and he's talking about the example that these believers were he's talking about the example that these believers were in verses six he says and he became followers of us and of the lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the holy ghost so that he were in samples to all that believe in macedonia and achaia for, you, for from you sounded out the word of the lord not only in macedonia and achaia but also in every place your faith to God would be spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. And so as we are thinking here of these men, we, we see that as the gospel was preached with power and with Holy Spirit and with assurance, you know, it, 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 evoked, a, it evoked a threefold response from these people. They received the word, they became imitators of God's servant, and they then became imitated by, by others. People saw them and they became an example to, to others, you know, you know, you know, the word of God is, is really so powerful, you know, when it is being preached out, when people really listen to it and understand it, it has got the ability to change lives. The life of the Apostle Paul was changed of one who was a persecutor to a life of one who became from a persecutor to a preacher. And he went proclaiming the message of God. You know, it is a life, it is, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is a word that can turn and change the life of many men and, men and women. And so as the message was being preached, these people received the word of God, but then they also became imitators. Now, whom do you learn from? You learn as you grow in as a new believer, you always learn from those who are around you. 
you always learn from those who teach you and you learn by looking at them you learn and they looked at the apostle paul and they learned uh, about the apostle paul always uses this sort of thing doesn't he say when speaking to the church at corinth he says be imitators of me just as i am of christ you know now we are those we have we as youngsters and as those who are grown up who, we would know that we have always learned from those who are who are there who are who been able to teach the word of god or maybe the example of lives that men and women have led and therefore you know while it is something that youngsters should always take on board is that they see how the assembly how the men and women in the assembly are behaving how they are walking but it is also something that those who are in elderly or who are grown up or in position of authority have been they should be able to understand that they have got responsibility because others are looking at them and seeing their walk and seeing though their talk and seeing how they are behaving because it is the because we when we talk about testimony we talk about testimony in the sense that the outer world looks at us but the testimony our testimony is also being observed within the assembly of god's people and therefore when we when we do our things when we behave we have to always remember that we are being observed and looked upon and we have therefore got to set an example to even those who come amongst us and therefore and as these men and women as they as they received the word of god they learned the word of god they looked up to those who brought the word of god they learned of them and then it says towards the towards the latter part of that verse that they themselves became imitated you know as the word of spread abroad you know people saw that here was a year was a pattern a model church you know these were these these people had deficiencies in them you know we would see that as we go through uh, the uh, you know the epistle maybe in chapter 3 and 10 there is warnings that are given yet as the word of the lord is being going out you know they these the people seeing their life and seeing their example many as far as macedonia and akaya akaya throughout macedonia and akaya were able to see that these were truly the followers of the lord jesus christ and so as we think a little bit about this you know we have to we have a responsibility upon ourselves you know about this and then as we thought about the essential qualities in the presentation of the gospel and we noted that it came in power in holy spirit and assurance and then we saw the the threefold response that came out of it, it they received the word they became imitators of god's servants and were example to other believers and there at towards the end as we come to verses 9 and 10 we would see that there was a threefold activity that resulted from them you know and it it goes on to goes on to say that he turned he turned to god from idols to serve the living and true god and to wait for his son so here was a threefold activity that resulted from 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 these the, these things that came that they that they had already done you know and so as we are thinking about this you know this this theirs was a life where they had believed in 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 many gods probably and they were following idols and they were they were learning it but here these men and women have turned from that and they have come to the understanding of a true and living god and as they have understood the true and living god you know they have come to know the truth about what the gospel message is and their lives they have turned and they have they are serving the true and living god and waiting patiently for the expectation of the deliverer a deliverer from the com- coming wrath you know as i was thinking about 
this verse, you know, I can think a little bit and understand a little bit about how difficult, how, how important it would have been for the Apostle Paul to make mention of these words, you know, to turn away from idols. He would have known the situation that is there and he would have an understanding of what it meant. But here, what he's trying to bring, bring forth to them is this, that when you receive the word of God, there has got to be a change. And when there will be a change, you will have the understanding of what it is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there probably was also the aspect that they may fall back into it. And therefore, he was making it very, very clear that that change is important. But then he goes on to talk also about how they, their service was yielding. But then finally, you know, as we end this, this chapter, we see that, you know, they are waiting with great expectation for, a, for that moment. And he says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he has raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. You know, you know, they, you know they have these men and women now have got new aspirations. You know, they have got a new hope, you know, which was never there. And all these new aspirations and all these hopes and everything that now they do is centered upon the Lord Jesus Christ. They are waiting for him to come. They are waiting for to see him. They are waiting to behold him. They are waiting to probably be able to behold his glory. You know, and what the Apostle Paul says that he has, he will, he has delivered us from the wrath to come. Once we have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we will never be able to go, will ever to go from that day of wrath. Romans 8, 1 tells us that, isn't it? There is now no condemnation for them which are in Christ Jesus. Once we are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for us. And there will never be a day that we will never be, that we will, we will have to pass for it. Christ paid our price for us. He has settled our debt of our sin. You know, and we will never be able to go through that great day of tribulation. You know, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ has been completed and it is done once and for all and that is enough. And when God will look up at that sacrifice that the Lord has given, he will say that that is enough for this believer. You know, I always look at it from that picture of uh, the Passover in Exodus. You know, as, as that blood is applied to that wall, you know, the angel of death would pass and as the angel of death would pass, he would just see that blood and he would pass over. You know, I always put it in that way that the blood of Christ is there upon me and that offers me protection. And that protection is enough. When the day of judgment will come to the Lord, I always picture it this way that there is a big line that is there and God is calling one by one and he sees, okay, no, you've got the blood in your soul. And that will be a great privilege for us that day. We will never be able to, to go through that day of wrong, but when the time of judgment will come as well, God will appreciate the work of his son, and he will appreciate that we have trusted the Savior. And therefore, we are in a privileged position. So as we have thought a little bit about this model church, we've seen, we've thought about their living, and I think that for us is, is a measurement and something to look for on an individual level as well. May the Lord bless his work. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank thee once again for this privilege that we've had to look up at thy word. We thank thee, Father, for the clarity of it. We thank thee, Father, for the encouragement that we have had by looking at this epistle. We thank thee for this, these people who have believed in thee and have trusted in thee and have really put every effort that was there to live a life that was in line with thy requirements. And we thank thee, Father, that as we read these things now, for us it is also a reminder that there is a requirement for us to live a holy life. That is a requirement from thee. 
And we know, Father, that, that the journey, though it may be difficult, Thou art always with us and Thou would lead us. So help us, Lord, as we go. And help us, Father, in our, in our journey as well. Now as we depart, we pray that Thou may be with each one of us as we go home. And we pray that Thou may be with us throughout the week as well. In the Savior's precious and gracious and matchless name we ask. Amen.